Welcome to the Hero Nation podcast. My name is Sophia Ansari. And my name is Breck Warren. And we're back, Breck. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Uh, we've been busy traveling and working and getting through polar vortexes, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we survived, right? <laughs> yes, we did. I mean, I'm still shoveling snow right now. We're supposed to get snow this weekend. Oh, man. But it feels good to be back to, do, to doing this. <laughs> exactly. So today we want to talk about the history of the character and unpack some of the controversies surrounding the Captain Marvel movie. Now, the movie comes out this Friday, so just mm. two short days. Yay. It's the latest Marvel movie. The star is Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, who has been getting a lot of heat for some comments she made a while back. Yeah, and honestly, when we were thinking about this episode, I really didn't want to give this controversy the time of day. Uh, I was rolling my eyes so much that they were getting stuck <laughs> in the back of my head because it's just so dumb and so mm-hmm. ridiculous. But when me and you were talking about it, you know, you did mention that the movie was getting like so, so much hate mm-hmm. that people were actually wanting to boycott it. So we, we had to just look into it further and we wanted to set the record straight because we love us some comics and some movies. Yes. Right? So, yeah. And this outrage against the movie started a while back when Brie was accepting an award for something else. And her speech made an important point about how there isn't a lot of diversity among film critics. And because her words have been twisted by people, we just wanted to play you her speech directly from her, by her, and then we'll talk about our thoughts after. So here it is. I am so grateful to be up here. to receive this award so I cannot thank my family and my team and instead talk about something that's really important to me. I'd like to bring to light an aspect of our industry that has risen to the surface in the last week. It's an issue that's been bubbling since like really the whole time, but this issue has a solution that each one of us in this room can participate in. So earlier this week, USC Annenberg's Inclusive Initiative released findings that 67% of the top critics reviewing the 100 highest grossing movies in 2017 were white males. Less than a quarter were white women and less than 10% were unrepresented men. Only 2.5% of those top critics were women of color. So you're probably thinking right now, like, wow, that super doesn't represent the country that I live in, and that's because that's true. This is a huge disconnect from the U.S. population breakdown of 30% white men, 30% white women, 20% men of color, and 20% women of color. So why does that matter? Why am I up here giving you statistics when I could be spending this time talking about my publicist? Um, Lindsay, who I love, and thank you so much for bringing Jesse up here and making me super emotional while I rattle off percentages of people. On top of all of this, am I saying that I hate white dudes? No, I'm not. But what I am saying is, is that if you make a movie that is a love letter to women of color, there is an insanely low chance a woman of color will have the chance to see your movie and review your movie. And this is also not to mention other people besides white dudes like Star Wars and would love the opportunity to do a set visit. And I'm also saying I don't hate white dudes. I'm just saying we need to be conscious of our bias and do our part to make sure 
that everyone is in the room. So what would it take for the critic pool to match this 30-30-20-20 real-world breakdown, and how can we get there? Well, here I am. It's easier than you might think. The bottom line is, is that if each of the top 100 films in a year added nine critics that are three underrepresented males, three white females, three underrepresented females, and the, the average critic pool would match the U.S. population in just five years. Super simple. Really sucks that reviews matter, but reviews matter. Good reviews out of festivals give small independent films a fighting chance to be bought and seen. Good reviews help films gross money. Good reviews slingshot films into awards contenders. A good review can change your life. It changed mine. Our industry has gone through a major growth. Thank you for clapping for my good reviews. I love that. <laughs> it's like so excited to be like, yeah, that one time. <laughs> Our industry has gone through a major growth. We are expanding to make films that better reflect the people that buy movie tickets. But they are not allowed enough chances to read public discourse on these films by the people that these films were made for. I do not need a 40-year-old white dude to tell me what didn't work for him about A Wrinkle in Time. It wasn't made for him. I want to know what that film meant to women of color, to biracial women, to teen women of color, to teens that are biracial. And for the third time, I don't hate white dudes. These are just facts. These are not my feelings. And I'm really sorry, Lindsay. Please don't kill me. <sighs> As some of you know, I immediately jumped on to Frances's brilliant words, inclusion writer. And this was way before she had bumper stickers for her iPad. Because I know that this means that my work will be shown, digested, discussed by a variety of people, not just a singular perspective. I want to know what my work means to the world, not a narrow view. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> okay, so let's unpack that a little bit, shall yes. we? Okay, so first... She's bringing up facts, facts, right? I know a lot of people are not into that these days. No, not <laughs> so at all. she she actually she brought up a study that Brooke, we we've quoted a lot of times mm -hmm. here on Hero Nation. It's that USC Annenberg study. We've yes. quoted it a bunch of times on here. And she was really just what she was doing was making a point basically that if we're making movies that appeal to all different types of people, shouldn't some people who represent those demographics also be part of the review process right that's i mean that's mm -hmm. what she was saying right but after that speech came out people totally totally changed that narrative yeah they flipped her words and quoted her as saying i hate white dudes <laughs> i don't care <laughs> what white men have to say about this movie people were even saying that brie larson doesn't want to be interviewed by white men See, and I found that funny because in her speech, we just heard, she like repeatedly says, am I saying I hate white dudes? No. Like she says that over mm -hmm. and over just to make it clear, right? And she's yes. white. So there you go. So she's not racist against white people. <laughs> no. And all she's saying was, hey, I want to know what someone from the demographic this movie is supposed to be, be representing, you know, what they have to say about it. Kind of like if a, if a white male critic saw the movie Girls Trip. They're going to have a different perspective than a black woman who's going because they can build off that experience. So mm -hmm. she's not 
you know, it's, a, it's just important to have an industry that reflects the communities we live in. I mean, that's that's a given. Right. So I'm not sure where people got this. I hate white dudes narrative. See, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where they got that. I think, you know, people are just so quick to change the narrative and stir up hate just for the sake of controversy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they missed that whole context of what she was saying that, again, we need to include more people in this conversation. And she even came out with a new statement to clarify her old statement and what she <laughs> said. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like her lawyer or something now. But um, <laughs> what she said was, this is her uh, direct quote. She says, what I'm looking for is to bring more seats up to the table. No one is getting their chair taken away. There's not less seats at the table there's just more seats at the table it's almost like she had to dumb that down just so Mm -hmm. people could understand that so it's not that she doesn't want to see white men in the audience okay that's not it it's just that she wants to see women as well as men and people of every racial background right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the people flipped her who flipped her words also decided they wanted to sabotage the captain marvel movie yeah yeah so they started they started giving it bad reviews on rotten tomatoes even the even though the movie hasn't come out yet again it comes out friday exactly and i and i do think that rotten tomatoes has addressed that issue because that's been that's actually been happening for a while uh, it happened with star wars the last jedi you remember all of that mm-hmm. and then it happened even with ghostbusters uh, and then it happened with black panther but obviously we we all know how well black panther ended up doing so <laughs> huh right <laughs> exactly you know i just tune these people out because even though shows like to act like they speak for audiences everywhere their actions don't have much of an impact on the box office performance. True. So I think Captain Marvel will be just fine. I mean, come on. It's a Marvel movie. I know. I mean, honestly. It's not like it's Batman v. Superman. <laughs> and now before I get people saying I don't like DC movies, <laughs> I'm just saying I've seen every comic book movie that I could think of, even Road to Perdition. Oh, yeah. Starring yeah. Tom Hanks. And not right. a lot of people know that that was a comic book movie. That was a comic book. Yes. Yep, yep, yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally get that. I, I agree with you completely. And, you know, I was just getting tired of reading all these lies about Brie Larson's comments because all she's been trying to do is fight for inclusivity in the film industry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was, I was sitting here, you know, I was trying to think, where did people get this I hate white dudes idea from, right? I'm like, where... Mm-hmm. Where did they get that from? And I was thinking that maybe they thought she said that white men couldn't like a certain movie because of the color of their skin. And and again, that's not what she was saying. And maybe it wasn't clear. I, I don't know. I mean, it was clear <laughs> to me, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe she could have said instead is, hey, we need to promote diversity in every profession because it only makes the work we do better. Everyone needs an equal shot. Something like that, maybe. I don't know, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I just think the majority of people understood it. You know, I mean, it's those are just the people that are the loudest. Right, right. You know, and even the distinguished competition defended her. Mm-hmm. Zachary Levi, who was a star of Shazam, again, DC, distinguished, right. comp- distinguished competition, mm-hmm. asked people to stop the hate because they were trying to pit Captain Marvel against Shazam. Against Shazam. Yeah, and that was the other controversy, right? That that was um, brought up uh, about this movie. Um, and then didn't you also say that there was some other issue with the promotional images that came out? I think you had texted me something. Oh, yeah. People were saying that she wasn't smiling in her promo pictures oh, and those posters. <laughs> which I don't think any of the superheroes smile in their mm-hmm. promo ads. I right. mean, uh, Batman grim and brooding. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna be, oh, true. yeah. He's not going to be cheesing it up on those posters. Exactly. But Captain Marvel was getting all sorts of hate for this. 
Yeah, and see, that's the thing that bothers me because telling a woman to smile is at its core misogynistic. You know, you're you're basically telling her to make herself more attractive for you to enjoy. Not not you, Brick, but you know okay, what I'm saying. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and like you said, men are not pressured to smile. So this is just more BS that's been stirred up for you know with this whole movie and everything. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, no one gave Chris Evans, who's Captain America, who's also in Fantastic Four, and another comic book movie called The Losers, you know, this much hate, even though he doesn't smile in his promo ads. That's true. And voices his political opinions on social media all the time. Mm -hmm. So that tells me all I needed to know about this controversy, in finger quotes, of course. Right. And I really hope this film does well, because Captain Marvel is a great superhero. She really is a great superhero. She's, you know, she's basically Marvel's version of Superman. You know, we're always comparing everything to Superman because that mm-hmm. was like the first. But she really is. And so the the take home message here is, again, uh, Brie Larson does not hate white men. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad that we have to say that. Yes. Again, all she spoke against, out against was a lack of diversity among film criti- critics. Okay. And and I just want to make a, a quick side note here too, is when Miss Marvel number one was published in 1977, the title was pretty uh, socially progressive and using the word miss right in the title. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that this was like during the, the feminist movement, you know, of that time. Yeah. And so when people say, Hey, uh, you know, leave social political commentary out of superhero stories, uh, <laughs> you have to understand and you have to remember oh, that comics have always depicted and have always been a reflection of what goes on in society. Right. Yes. And, and it just so happens that the Carol Danvers character in the comics, she was someone who was always fighting for things like equal pay for equal rights. Like she was mm-hmm. always standing up for that and for women's rights. Right. So it's actually interesting that they cast Brie Larson, who is also someone who speaks her mind, right? Mm-hmm. She's not afraid to not speak her mind. She, she's always standing up for those those misrep- underrepresented voices. And so it's just, you know, kind of interesting that she's playing this role, Carol Danvers, and, and like again, in the comics, she's, you know, always spoken up about social issues. So yes. I just wanted, you know, to add that in there because Captain Marvel is known as Marvel's biggest female superhero, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she really is like their their mightiest Avenger. So take that, haters. Okay, sorry. Right. I'm going to try not to get too, yeah. <laughs> <Throw this. laughs> um, anyway, okay, okay. Let me let's, let me take a deep breath here. Okay. 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 So let's, let's talk about Captain Marvel now and a little bit about the, the history behind the character. And it's a kind of a crazy kind of history. It's like a long, there's a lot oh, to it, but we'll yeah, try to is. give a, a simple kind of, you know, a nice kind of clean little history so that people... Um, who are going to be seeing the movie this Friday will at least have some of that, that background story coming out. And we'll talk about the, that movie too. We haven't watched it obviously, but right. we've probably watched the trailers like 50 times a piece. Oh, right. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> now, uh, DC entertainment and Marvel studios, they both have big movies coming out around the same time. Right. And you mentioned mm-hmm. Shazam. Yeah. I think Shazam actually comes out uh, like one month from now, like April 5th, I yeah. think. Right. Yeah, you're, no, you're um, right. So that's, that's just, you know, they're so close apart. And so Marvel has cast, Captain Marvel and DC has Shazam. And of course, as most of us know, um, at one time, Shazam was actually called Captain Marvel. Right. Because, you know, 1938, let me pick the picture. 1938. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> actually, comics number one, which introduced Superman to us, right. just came out. And this comic, of course, was a huge hit. And whenever you have a huge hit, 
you get copycats. So there, there were a lot of imitators and a lot of lawsuits that DC actually won. But Fawcett Comics launched their flagship character, Captain Marvel, in Wiz Comics number two. And then he was a lot like Superman, strong, flying, etc. So years go by and Superman was trying to get a movie, but the film company ended up going with Captain Marvel instead. And so Fawcett Comics was sued for copyright infringement by DC. And if you've ever seen this old school Captain Marvel, you know, 1940s movie, I have to, I found a clip on online, I have to post that to the Hero Nation Facebook page because it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and the companies went back and forth in court trying to prove whether Captain Marvel was similar enough to Superman to infringe on his copyright. And eventually, after many, 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 many lawsuits, Fawcett mm-hmm. Comics lost and stopped the Captain Marvel issues. And years later... And a long story, I mean, a long, long story, because it's comics. Right. Uh, DC eventually worked out a deal with Fawcett to license his superhero characters for a new line of comic books starring Captain Marvel and his Marvel family. And since copyright is different than trademark, DC could call the characters Captain Marvel inside the comic. But on the cover, DC had to come up with another name for the books. So they came up with, Sh- with Shazam. And Shazam is the magic word that Billy Batson, who's Captain Marvel's alter ego, right. says to turn into Captain Marvel. But in the late 1960s, Marvel got their hands on the trademark Captain Marvel, and that forced DC to change their Captain Marvel to Shazam. Goodness. It's actually a longer and way more complicated mm-hmm. story. But if you really want to know the history of that, <laughs> like I said, it's long. I'm not playing, but I'll right. post a link on Facebook so you can all read more about it. Right. That's a see. That's a nice the more you know moment. You know. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I, I had a friend that was in law school, and they were talking about uh, copyright and trademark, and she mm-hmm. used this as an example. So oh, wow. it is a long history, and yeah. there's like a lot that came out of it because of all this, like this, this you know, the back and forth sort of lawsuits and oh, stuff. Man. So it is pretty interesting, but it is a long read. So yeah. So if you guys want to write a thesis or your dissertation <laughs> on it, then Breck will post the, yes. the resources. But um, so. You know, now that we've had our the more you know moments, um, <laughs> let's talk about the comics and then how the movie is going to be different from the comics. Which you know, I'm I am really curious to see how they how it plays out. Mm-hmm. But uh, so so Carol Danvers was actually not the first Captain Marvel, right? No, and that that title actually I know, and this is where oh, here we go. Um, yep. So that title actually belonged to a space alien named Marvel, yes. who was a member of the Kree Imperial militia and so marvell was created by stan lee and gene colon in 1967 and he was the one of the uh kree's greatest warriors and he was mm-hmm. sent to earth to spy on our world i guess after the emergence of superpowered humans and yeah. and he came here and he disguised himself as a scientist named dr walter lawson and then he f- actually fell in love with security chief and former united states air force pilot Carol Danvers, right? And so that's where she comes in. And he eventually actually becomes sympathetic to humanity. And he ends up turning against the Kree. And then he becomes Captain Marvel and he protects the Earth. So there's that. So, but you know, he does eventually die of of cancer like much later on and whatnot, right? That was a pretty powerful comic book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, in the the comics, he battles a villain named Jan Rog, who's actually played by Jude Law in in this movie, the Captain Mm -hmm. Marvel movie. And so, Jan Rog, he kidnaps Carol and then. 
Captain Marvel tries to save her, but during this whole battle, Carol um, Danvers, she's exposed to radiation from this uh, Kree machine. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, it's got this long name, but it's a machine (laughs) and it changes her DNA to become a half Kree. So basically her DNA basically merges with Marvell's, right? Mm -hmm. And so she ends up with powers really similar to his and she, so then she eventually, eventually takes on, you know, the name Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel. We've talked about Kamala, Uh but this was before Kamala. Uh, So Miss Marvel and then, you know, she even joins the Avengers and then she even spends time, you know, fighting along with the X-Men. Yep. Um, so she's got like a whole great, you know, like you know, a lot of storylines there that you'll, you know, talk about and dive into a little bit. But her her powers, you know, if we can just talk about that for a moment, because we just, yeah. you know, said she's amazing. Right. And that's what I'm so excited about this movie is to see those these powers. Right. So mm-hmm. um, they're incredible. She has like superhuman strength, endurance, stamina, physical durability. She possesses like the seventh sense right and mm-hmm. um she's uh, resistant to most toxins and, and poisons i mean she's got so much stuff yes. um and then as the superhero binary so this is where you know it gets a little confusing but <laughs> she becomes uh, a superhero named binary before she takes on the captain marvel title right. um, but she becomes binary after this alien race called the brood they actually experiment on her. And so then there's a lot of geneticists in like, the comic yeah, book world. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so, so then she ends up getting the ability to also generate the power of a star. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. And she can travel at the speed of light. She can lift 50 tons with like no effort at all. She can, uh, what else can she do? She can release explosive blasts of energy from her fingertips. She can absorb other forms of energy like electricity electricity all the way up to the force of an exploding nuclear weapon yeah she's just a badass isn't she <laughs> she's yeah amazing. i mean no she really is i mean yeah, you, yeah there's no other way to just to say it but yeah yeah, yeah. and you mentioned x-men and there's a great storyline where rogue actually absorbs all her powers mm-hmm. yeah. and that's actually in avengers angle number 10 if you've seen the 90s X-Men cartoons, they actually expand and talk about right. it. They have a whole episode about that. Right. You know, they re- they really kind of show how Rogue got her, got her endurance, her strength, her powers. Mm-hmm. And Marvel recently put out a, a dollar edition, the True Believers is what they call it, edition of Avengers Annual Number 10. Okay. And you see how Carol was, you know, fought the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And, you know, after she lost her powers, she... she Joined the X-Men, like you said. And she actually left the X-Men after Rogue joined the X-Men. Mm. You know, she couldn't control her powers, and Professor X let her join. And now she's a fan favorite. So she right. went from being this villain of... you know, Talking about Rogue, sorry. She went right, right. from being a villain of Captain Marvel's to a fan favorite. And then, you know, much, much later, because this was in the 80s, actually, right. with, with Chris Claremont writing. And then finally in 2012... Kelly finally takes on the mantle of Captain Marvel. And this is after going the names of Binary and Warbird. And if you find any <laughs> Warbird, Warbird stories, it's actually cool because she was dealing with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So, her, so her and Tony Stark became good friends about friends, that. Yeah, yeah. And then, again, Miss Marvel. And she right. took the name on because, you know, obviously Captain Marvel had made an important impact on her life. Right. I think she, in the comics, she asked um, Captain America if it's okay to take on Captain Marvel's name. And he was like, yeah, he would want you to have this name. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So she goes through a lot of these identity things, binary, Warbird, Miss Marvel, <laughs> and then finally Captain yes. Marvel. Um, but I, I did want to ask 
you had mentioned something about um, her origin story, though, being changed. Yeah. We just went through that. Yep. So there was like a recent storyline or something, right? And I'm not caught up with that. So what's that all about? Yeah, well, in July 2018, because, again, everybody knew Captain Marvel was coming out. Well, now. Right. So Marvel's like, okay, let, let, let's get all these books out. Yep. And Carol Danvers headlined the limited series titled The Life of Captain Marvel. And it was written by Margaret Stoll and artist Carlos Paccio. Now, the series was a retcon, so a retelling, if you're not familiar with that term, of Carol Danvers' origin story. But Stoll said that it's not a reinvention. She said, it's telling the other side of the story, of how she came to be. And in this story, Stoll also said there would be similarities with the movie, but that the movie is its own thing, which, just like any comic book, that's going right. to happen. But in this comic book series, it shows that Danvers' mom is Cree. And at the blast, I was responsible for her powers only awakened her pre-existing Cree genes, okay. did not fuse her human DNA with Marvel's Cree DNA. Okay, so see, this is where I get like, okay, okay. <laughs> so, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what the movie does then, right? Yeah, of Which, course. By the way, the movie is set in the 90s. I love the the opening where she crashes into the blockbuster. Blockbuster, yes. <laughs> Isn't it sad that blockbuster is now like this nostalgic like entity for all of us? We're like, oh, uh, blockbuster. I know. I know. That's where I used to go, so, man. I know. I know. So so this was so it's taking place in the 90s. So that's way before the the Avengers first assemble, right? Mm-hmm, and it yep. and it starts the the movie starts with Carol already having her powers, right. and then she's already a member of the Kree Star Force. She's got like a different you know the the uniform on and the 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 Kree Star Force is an elite military team and obviously I haven't seen it yet but this is I'm just looking at the trailers and we can kind of piece together you know okay Mm -hmm. this is where she's starting right right and that's true you know they've actually they were actually introduced in Operation Galactic Storm in the 90s but yeah the movie changed who she is on on and put her on Star Force too because in the comics Carol Danvers was never a member of the Star Force and the okay. Star Force only ever came up against Captain Marvel, the, the, the different one, like you said earlier, right. when Monica Rambeau was Captain Marvel. So I'm not sure how they're going to explain in the movie how she, you know, how Carol ends up ends as part, up of, the part team, of the team, but okay. you know it's going to happen. Okay, so originally it was Monica Rambeau that dealt with the whole Star Force thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, so so then we need to quickly talk about Monica Rambeau, right? Because right. that was another bit of, I guess, well, I don't want to say outrage, but maybe confusion or, or whatnot about why uh, Carol Danvers is Captain Marvel when technically there was another female cop- Captain Marvel before her, right? Yes. Actually, there was a, there's a guy on YouTube, I forgot who it is, but he was talking about how Monica, Monica Rambeau is a Captain Marvel, only Captain Marvel we need. And so, as you said earlier, so Carol Danvers was actually the sixth person to take on the Captain Marvel name. There's like identity crisis here. Okay, okay, okay. So here we go. Monica Rambeau was the first female Captain Marvel and second one after Marvel to take the name. Okay. And she had different abilities, though. You know, Monica could project and manipulate light energy. And she was a long-term member of the Avengers, eventually becoming Avengers chairman back in the day when they had that stuff, and joined the team called Next Wave. Yeah, and so Monica was created by Roger Stern and John Romita Jr. to be the new 
you know, I guess the new Captain Marvel after yeah. they killed <laughs> off Marvel, and she was a black female superhero. Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. so, but you know, the thing with this is that Mar Marvel never really intended to have her star in her own series like Marvel, right? So right. she was basically an entirely new hero and really had no connections to Marvel, and even her powers to manipulate and transform into you know any form of energy across the electromagnetic spectrum <laughs> there there were nothing <laughs> like there were nothing like marvels right? right so um but you know monica she actually she made her debut in 1982 amazing spider-man annual number 16 i got that yeah i know, I know you do <laughs> which featured her getting her powers and, and then she she basically just randomly decided to call herself captain marvel didn't i mean mm-hmm. that was like kind of yeah. it was technically kind of random right she's yeah. just like oh i'm going to take on the title captain marvel and then spider-man even encourages her to join the avengers so that she can kind of really you know hone in hone her powers right, right. that's spider-man always giving yep. people the hookups i know <laughs> <laughs> Love Spider Man. <laughs> and she was never really created to revive the Captain Marvel series, like exactly. you said. Right, but she right. was a big part of the Avengers. You know, she eventually retired from the Avengers, and in the 90s, Marvel decided to try to revive Captain Marvel again. But since Monica had been retired, they didn't use her. Right. So they wanted to try to tie in Marvel to the new Captain Marvel storyline. And they did so by creating Genisvel. <laughs> who's Captain Marvel's son. Wait, okay, now, here we go. Marvel's, Mar- right. Who's Marvel's his son, son created yeah. from his father's DNA after his death because, as people say, comics. Comics. <laughs> so Monica eventually gave up the Captain Marvel title to Genesis, and she took the name Photon. Mm-hmm. But here's no the Photon. crazy thing. Now, you know how Marvel just really had no idea what to do with her because later on, Genesis gives up his Captain Marvel name to his sister, and she takes on the name, who's now Quasar. But his new name becomes Photon. So, uh, obviously, better. Monica wasn't too happy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no. I gave you my first name, now you're taking my second right, name. Right, now you're taking my second name. And so, uh, <laughs> she took on the name Pulsar. Right. And then eventually became Spectrum. Ah, uh, Spectrum. See, we, we a lot of us know Spectrum. I love Spectrum. Right, so Spectrum. <laughs> okay. Wow, yeah, they did her they did her dirty. Poor Monica. They yeah. just kept giving her name away to people. Yeah. But yeah, the Spectrum. Yeah, that's how we know it's her. Like, and you hey. know, in the movie, there the there's an actress, um, Akira Akbar. She's actually playing Monica Rambeau in the movie. She's like a little girl. Um, okay. So this this actress, I don't know. Do you watch This Is Us? No, it's a, it. okay. saved, saved on the Hulu, but okay. <laughs> it's so good. Go it's so good. It. So she actually, for those of you guys who watch This Is Us, this actress is the one who played young Beth in the, not last night's episode, but the the night before. So the, okay. the the episode before, she was really really good. So I, when I saw her, I was like, oh okay, yeah. So that was kind of a nice um, treat to hear that they're gonna have monica rambo in the movie right like she's gonna make an appearance um and and also her mom monica's mom is in the movie her name is maria rambo and she's actually carol danvers best friend in the in the movie and she's so she's a fellow air force pilot 
And actually, this is kind of funny, but her call sign is actually Photon. So that's so kind of interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see what they do with these characters and if they're setting us up for something later on with, with Monica. Because, mm. I mean, come on, why do they have her, you know, if they're not going to tie in something? There's right. there's something there. And and who knows? They might even show us a little bit of Kamala Khan. Yay. So, That'd, be so. cool. That'd yeah. be cool. And Brie Larson did say she wants to have Kamala in the sequel. Yeah. So it could happen. That's I mean, cool. I hope so. Yeah. Brie Larson is in this for the long run. She signed yeah. up for seven films. Good for her. Yes. So it could be some Kamala Khan somewhere yeah. in there. I think so. I think that you be know. Cool. Yeah. So just want to backtrack a little bit to Star Force. Oh yeah, we got off. Okay, okay. So yeah. we got Monica yeah. no, Rambo no, no, out of the that, way. Okay, fine, let's get fine. back. Okay. So look, back to Star Force real quick. <laughs> okay. And how the movie is different from the comics. Yeah. See, a big part of the movie is the Kree Scroll War. Mm-hmm. Now, the scrolls are shapeshifters, and you guys seen Carol hitting the old lady in the face. Right, on the train, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they can perfectly mimic anything and have been at war with the Kree for forever, really. And it's basically the Kree fault. I just want to throw that out mm-hmm. there. <laughs> but the scrolls being a part of Captain Marvel's origin doesn't fit with comics history because she never played a part in the, in the Kree scroll war. She didn't have any interactions with Skrulls until the Secret of Agents storyline of 2008. And even then, it was a team member, you know, she was part of a team of the New Avengers rather than, than any solo thing. And then the Secret of Asian storyline, the Skrulls had been secretly kidnapping and replacing major, major, I'm talking about very important Marvel characters for years. The first, it all started when Wolverine was quote-unquote killed, and finger quotes killed, and it was revealed, oh, he's he's a scroll. Mm. But then there was other people like Danny Cage, who's new, who's the daughter of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, right. Electra. I mean, there's when that covered, man, when you see Electra turning into a scroll, you know right. something's up. You have Black Bolt, Hank Femme, aka Ant Man, aka Giant Man, aka Yellow Jacket, aka something else, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> there was Spider Woman, and of course, fan favorite. Jarvis. Oh. <laughs> now, and there's a little funny thing with Jarvis that I made dating during that time. So, yeah, comics. Again, <laughs> comics. And some of these scroll sleeper agents didn't even know they were scrolls until they were activated. So, I mean, you see all these characters, all this stuff coming out. I mean, a big one was Mockingbird, who's one of my personal favorites. And there's a theory that Marvel Studios is, Marvel Studios is setting up their own Secret Evasion storyline, which would be interesting. And I know me and some friends joke about how, uh, you know, why is it, why is in Iron Man 1, it's Terrence Howard, then Iron Man 2, it's Don Cheadle. And I said, oh. could be Secret Invasion. Could be Secret Invasion. <laughs> <laughs> not creative differences with the no, actors. No, no, not at all. Invasion. It was set up way back then. <laughs> They're setting, hey, that could be it. You just gave them the idea if they weren't before. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, so so the movie is, is basically, uh, it's going to be about her trying to learn about her past because she's lost yeah. her memories, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, that's in the actual, in the comic books, we see that a lot with Carol Danvers, like memory loss and her having sort of a, a messed up 
you know, image or sense of self. So that's right. kind of a, a recurrent thing that happens a lot. And uh, me and you were talking about there's, she went through so much stuff in the comic yes. books. We're not even going to touch Avengers number 200 because we're going to pretend like it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. um, but basically Ooh. this movie, <laughs> exactly. Uh, this movie is a story of her unraveling that, that root of her origin story. And again, she has, she has a history of trauma. Her, her dad was abusive. He was misogynistic. Mm. When, when she was a kid, she always, wanted to be an astronaut but since her family was poor her dad actually decided to send her brother to college and not her because he believed that women belonged at home and in the kitchen and uh, you know when she does eventually go to college you know he basically disowns her Mm -hmm. and um, even when she becomes you know warbird you had mentioned earlier that she becomes an alcoholic and she does that to, to numb the pain of her past and and it actually gets so bad that you know Tony Stark ends up taking to her to an actual AA meeting so you know yes. you got an issue when Tony Stark is taking you to an AA meeting right so yes. um, there's a lot to her past and so I'm I'm not sure how the movie is going to present all those memories and, and how they're going to tie everything in because there's a lot there's like a lot they can do so I'm interested in seeing that but if you think about it as a whole, the movie is really taking a different approach because we're, as the audience, we're getting to go on this adventure with her and uncover the mystery of how she came to get her powers, which is interesting. Like we're learning along with her, which is a different kind of way of doing these movies. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to how they tell the story and maybe we'll get to see what Thanos or Thanos, excuse me, is up to in the nineties because he's always been around. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he had to be around then too. Yeah, and well, I guess maybe this is during the same time that uh, Gamora's planet was being conquered by yeah, him, so maybe they'll yeah, throw in see. some Easter eggs and connect to Thanos somehow. That would be cool, right? Yeah, or we could see what Doctor Strange, you know, flash through. I mean, uh, he's always he's, he was holding on to that time stone for yeah. a while, and you know, Ooh, that's a good idea. He could pop up. That would be for a cool. Second. Yeah, see that that's a good idea, Brock. They need to sign you on and write the script. No, yeah, see, I'm one good... of those people I, I kinda of avoid all the fan theories and just like Right, uh, I know. Just let it happen because you, you don't want to you don't want to be disappointed either. Yes, so you're like, right. Oh, that was a not very well thought out thing. Right. What? what come on. Exactly. No, but no that one would has be time cool. for all that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I hope people go out and watch this movie because she yeah. really is the most powerful character in the MCU. Yeah, I can't wait to see how they have it all play out. So mm-hmm. everyone, go out and see it. Go out and see this movie. Not that they need my help, you know, because <laughs> they're going to be just fine with the haters or not haters, you know. But yes. um, And so so that'll be, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it this Friday. You know, everyone get a date with Captain Marvel. We get to, mm-hmm. you know, watch the story unfold. She's a great superhero. Yeah. And then as far as our next episode goes, you know, we've been getting requests on, you know, what people want to hear about in future episodes and mm-hmm. actually got a couple requests uh, from people asking us to do an episode on biracial superheroes so that might be next right Breck? yeah that sounds like a plan Yay! Exciting. they're definitely out there we can do this yeah we won't take as long as a hiatus <laughs> as we did no, like recently no. well we're, we're back we're good we're yes. good so uh, i just want to thank everyone who you know still does listen to us and is yes, hanging in there you. through our long breaks and thanks for all your support and so i just want to leave you with a quote from Captain Marvel herself, and this is from Captain Marvel, Volume 8, Number 1. So here it is. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a little girl run so fast she falls down? There's an instant, a fraction of a second, before the world catches hold of her again. 
a moment when she's outrun every doubt and fear she's ever had about herself, and she flies. In that moment, every little girl flies. Thanks a lot, everyone. Yes, thank you. <laughs>